Hello and welcome to the MBA Talk podcast. I'm your host Andres and I work for OPNIS, an institute that fosters social and economic development through the promotion of the best management methodologies. So you end your MBA, you have a one-year-old kid to feed, and you have no job. What would you do? For Greg, it is all about entrepreneurship. Grégoire de Hemptin, I hope I pronounce it correctly, graduated from ESE Barcelona in 2017, and he is a mountain lover from Belgium. Keep listening to learn how Greg founded a startup in the fashion niche, why he killed it afterwards, and how he found a much better idea to work on while looking for investment. So, Greg, I'm very happy to have you here in the show today. Um, where are you today and how do you present yourself? So I'm um, based in Belgium, in Brussels. I'm in a co-working space called ICAB. It's an incubator in, based in Brussels with lots of different startups based in this building. And okay, that's, that's where I am. Uh, and how do I present myself? I would say I'm, um, I'm an entrepreneur, um, computer science engineer and, uh, and MBA. So this brings me today uh, of being a co-founder of uh, Shape. Yeah, so w what do I do? Uh, I can tell you about what do I do, but in terms of person, I have different kinds of uh, things I'm doing. As I mentioned, I'm also a dad of a small child, a young a boy that is um, three years old and um, very proud of him as well. <laughs> Congrats. That's probably one of the toughest jobs, right? Um, how do you spell Shape? So shape is is S H A Y P. Okay, and one of the interesting things I saw from your profile is that your LinkedIn handle is the Climber. Yes, as well as your personal website is the Climber.be. Uh, <laughs> I think you like climbing, right? Indeed. So that's one of my passions. Uh, I've been climbing since uh, I'm I'm four years old. <laughs> so since a long time, uh, I've been introduced to it uh, through my parents and my brothers very early. And uh, yeah, I got passionate about it. Always going, very often going to, to the mountains on holidays. And um, I'm passionate about nature. So this is also something that is very important for me, but moreover than nature is really wilderness. I'm convinced that actually wilderness is something that we're missing, especially in cities or in very dense populated countries such as Belgium. And wilderness is something essential as a human to get back to your roots, uh, to think about, okay, what's the meaning? What's the purpose of what I'm doing in life? Why am I here? And Yeah, this is super important in all my career of thinking about, okay, what's the purpose? Why am I here? And why do I want to do this or this? Um, this all comes back to me as a person. I'm on the planet. This planet is made of lots of different things. We are humans, but, you know, like humans are not the only thing we, we have on our planet. So this is why I'm striving for um, a better world composed by different things and Co-living with uh, with nature is, is something very important to me. I could I couldn't agree more. So uh, going back to your story, what were you doing before your MBA? Yes. So um, in a nutshell, uh, what did I do before? So 
I studied engineering, so computer science engineering. I've been um, first, I started uh, at the military academy uh, here in Belgium, which is also an engineering school. Uh, but on top of that, you have the military training. After two years, I decided, okay, maybe I'm not, I'm not a good person to have a big hierarchy uh, above me, uh, which was the case in the army. So, the, okay, let, let's, not, let's not last too long there because I would just not feel well. Uh, so I said, okay, let's go for regular engineering. So I went to the university, finished my studies, and I started working as a developer, basically. Um, so I worked first for a startup for two years, uh, a web startup was in 2008. Uh, and then um, after that, I worked um, as an IT consultant. I worked as a developer as well. So I was really sort of becoming an expert in development. For my professional life, this was really what I did. And I, I mean, I felt really good with that, being an expert, being an engineer, thinking about an engineer and, and so forth. On the side, I've been also practicing a lot of mountaineering, climbing. I became a teacher. I became a mountain guide. I did also, how do you say that, um, rescue. Uh, I was part of a rescue team in, um, in mountains. So I've been doing different things like that as well. Um, so I had this sort of a life split in two because I had like life at work and then life, um, my, my passions and my, my sports. And I realized at some point, okay, there are things that I want to do for work and there are things I want to also, I want to grow into this passion. And I had this sort of, uh, sort of frustration. So I was working like nine to five. Uh, and then after that, I was, I was doing other things. Um, it was not always easy to combine. So uh, this, is, this was more or less my life before the MBA. And uh, yeah, I can also say that I, I created a, an NGO uh, in Belgium regarding wilderness and mountains. Uh, I mentioned wilderness before. Created an NGO called Mountain Wilderness. Um, and I was the, the, the main responsible for it in Belgium. But there are many branches elsewhere in the world. Uh, for instance, uh, France, Switzerland, um, Italy, Spain. So, yeah. So, so you were after a lot of ideas. Uh, have you had any entrepreneurship experience, like uh, working at a startup before your MBA? Yeah, so before the MBA, well, my very first one was uh, when I started just after my studies uh, working for a startup. It was a startup that had already uh, a few people on the payroll. And, well, there I didn't, didn't really learn about entrepreneurship. Then I worked as an IT consultant. And my last position in IT consultant was CTO of a startup. So I joined that startup. It was uh, called Clue Points, doing um, data analytics on clinical trials. This experience really changed my mind because I realized, okay, uh, I can decide because I was the, well, the, the first developer hired, not, all, not, not exactly, but I was the most experienced one. So I, I could decide basically the whole architecture of, okay, where do we go? How do we structure this? How do we make this work? How do we make this scalable? And all these technical choices, which were very interesting. And also learned about, okay, we need to be flexible for the user. We need to be lean. We need to sort of always adapt based on the, the feedback of the customer and sometimes it's best to do something very ugly very cheap and then ask to the customer then doing something very beautiful but the customer tells you that's not what he wants so finding you know the the, the quick wins how to move forward and, and build up uh, products and putting the product on the market making sure that it's stable enough that the customer is happy 
that was a whole challenge. So I would say I slightly growed towards entrepreneurship and that, that role really sort of opened my eyes. But I was a bit frustrated because for, for two reasons. First, I was really like an expert. So working as a developer, only doing developing development work and um, managing development teams. I mean, it was good, uh, but, but clearly I was becoming an expert in development in the technical part. And I, I was talking to the CTO, uh, the, to the CEO, sorry. And I felt like when he was talking about, okay, we need to prioritize this, we need to do this and this. And I didn't understand, okay, why, why would we do something that is not good for the product? You know, I was really thinking about an, uh, as an engineer, he would say, okay, let's not do like consolidation or let's not do this bug fixing today. Let's do it in a month from now. And I was like, I mean, come on, this is a big bug. I mean, if we don't fix it, we'll have problems in the future. And I didn't understand. I really was, wasn't aware of why would he take this kind of decisions? Why would he, I don't know, uh, hire, rather hire someone of doing it manually instead of having it in the software? So these were things I, was, I wasn't understanding at the moment. So I decided to go for, for an MBA at that moment. I felt, okay, maybe I just, I'm lacking something. So I started up the applications and I knew I wanted to go in a, in a top school. So it took some time to choose the school, to visit some schools, to do the application. So it took me more or less one year and a half between the moment I decided to go for an MBA and the time I actually started the MBA. But in the meantime, during that time, I decided to quit my job and I didn't know yet whether I would be accepted in an MBA or not because I really targeted, okay, I want to go in the top 10 MBA. If I don't get there, I just don't want to do an MBA. That was my criteria. Among, among other criteria, And um, in the meantime, so I decided to start a, a startup with my wife. She had, a, she had a great idea. I thought, okay, let's try, you know. So I spent a weekend creating an MVP or like a very simple version of an idea that she had. And we had very good feedback. So the idea was, let's create a software that sort of match clothes together, depending on their colors and their shapes. So I spent a weekend, I did uh, some code. And, and I got a software that actually did that. So we could take pictures of, of clothes, of her wardrobe, and you just say, okay, make me a selection and check. It took different clothes and it made you one outfit where the colors and the, the, the shapes fit each other. Uh, okay, but what about the monetization? There was no real business model behind, but it was like, okay, maybe there is something to do there. So, and at that time, uh, my wife was also available because she just finished uh, another training. So we said, okay, let's pitch it in front of an, an accelerator and we'll see what happens. And this is what we did. So we did it uh, in 2015, early 2015. We pitched and actually people were really enthusiastic about it. They said, okay, this is, looks really amazing. There is potential in the fashion industry. You could, you could really do something. So, yeah, I mean, uh, then we... We said, okay, that's an amazing experience. Let's just go for it. In the meantime, I still didn't know whether I would go for an MBA or not. I did my application. This was all good. Then we got into this accelerator and it was really amazing. I mean, for me, it was a mini MBA. For three months, we, we were constantly with coaches, with mentors, with experienced people telling us, okay, you should rather do this or this. Really the lean startup methodology, but to the tip of our hands. I mean, it was really perfect. And we really learned about, okay, even if you don't know anything about business, you can already understand a lot. You can already do a lot because you just, you drive your, your, your company just with customers. What customers tells you, what, how do you get the market fit? How do you 
manage to do your first sale? How do you advertise it and so on? But of course, during these three months, two things happened. First thing was I got accepted in the MBA. So I was like, okay, what will happen with this startup? I mean, I'm going for the MBA, of course, no, no doubt. So I said, okay, I'm one of the co-founders. Maybe my wife can continue. Second thing happened, my wife got pregnant. So she says, okay, now I'm not available anymore. So I said, okay, maybe that's a sign, <laughs> sign of the, of the world. Maybe we should just say, okay, this was a nice experience. Very interesting, but let's keep it like this and we'll stop it, which is what we did. So we traveled to Spain, uh, started the MBA. And so my wife gave birth to my son and this was during the MBA as well. And then at the end of the MBA, or during the MBA, let's say I, I was very involved with entrepreneurship because I, I had that really very close to me. I mean, I did this acceleration program very early, just before, so it was still very fresh in my mind. Oh, okay. So you killed the app once you got into the MBA? Yeah. So w when I decided to start the MBA, I, I decided to stop this idea. So it was, it was clear for me. But I still wanted to be involved in entrepreneurship. And from your LinkedIn profile, it looks like you did a lot of activities uh, while at ESE through the exactly. entrepreneurship club, for example. Yes. So this, that's what I did, basically, is I said, okay, I really feel I'm, I have this uh, vibe of entrepreneurship. I want to continue. So I got very involved in the entrepreneurship club. Eventually, I got president of the entrepreneurship club. What I did is really sort of connecting the dots because I felt, okay, MBAs, they're very well connected with big companies through the schools, uh, through school, network, uh, career services, everything. But something that I felt was necessary is through the club, okay, organize events that are not in the business school, but are outside of the business school, in accelerators, in events, during events uh, that are in the city. I mean, you know, with startups, with investors, sort of the school organized events The methodology of school is usually to organize events in the school, so invite people to come. But the people that come are usually with very big, big titles, look very nice, but are not people that you can see actually when you go in the fields, let's say, uh, if you go in the city to those events. So I thought my role is basically to do the opposite and just organize things where students can meet with, with existing startups, can understand the spirit of startups, because startups are just regular people often that don't even know about ESA that are just, or any big business school that don't even know what an MBA is. But they said, okay, I'm doing my thing and, and trying, you know. So this is, this is why I did this. And actually, I tried to apply for regular MBA jobs. And I, I, got, I got pretty decent traction because I got interviews and so. But each time I did those interviews, it felt so, let's say, superficial or... or I didn't feel like, okay, I really want to do this thing. I felt like, okay, there's a lot to do, but not for me. Uh, have you considered applying to jobs in startups? No, no, not in, not in startups, in regular big corporations. I tried, I mean... Oh, I see. So you gave a chance to the corporate path. Exactly. I, I just gave it a shot because I didn't want to miss out because I, I just didn't knew. I mean, I thought, okay, maybe maybe they are all doing this. So maybe I'm just, I should do it. You know, I should just go for these jobs. So I went to these interviews and, and each time I was talking to these people, I, I didn't feel, okay, this is what I want to do. They were really focused on doing one thing very well. 
and I felt, okay, I don't want to be an expert anymore. I want to be a generalist. I want to do so many different things. I want to learn so many different things. And yeah, and I just want to solve a problem. I want to go for a product. But if you want to go for a product in big corporation, or, I mean, if you go to consulting, you, you just do consulting. So you work for different things, but you're not making a product. If you work for finance, I don't feel you're making a product either. If you go in an industry, yeah, you're making a product, but usually MBA roles are just marketing in that industry or finance in this thing. And I, I mean, I, if I do a product, I'd want to see the whole picture, you know, I want to really interact with all these steps and understand. But, and also my, my, my thinking was, okay, maybe after the MBA, I still need to understand or learn from a senior person. The same thing I did after engineering. I want to become an expert because I, I knew, okay, let's do things after studying, let's do things with experts so I will learn and become an expert. Here, I, I thought also maybe should do the same, be with more senior people so that they can teach me. But eventually I felt, okay, let's, let's not do that again. Uh, like I did it after engineering, let's just go try my own thing. So I've been doing some classes on entrepreneurship and at the end of the MBA, I was talking with a friend and he said, okay, but actually your idea that you did before the MBA, I kind of like it. Uh, it's really cool what you did. So I want to, you know, pursue this, this idea further. Okay, okay. So now we are entering a topic I wanted to cover. Yes. Uh, it's about your partnership during your MBA. I see from your blog yes. that you opened a company in Spain with an ESA fellow. But what, what was the reaction of your family? I mean, uh, I can imagine your situation. You had a newborn, some debt, no job. She was a bit afraid, to be honest. Yeah, indeed. I mean, and also she had big expectations in terms of salaries. Um, but I, I mean, in our family, we've always been very humble and saying, okay, it's not because I, I did some studies that I'm worth that much more than any anyone else. Uh, what I want to do more than everything else is have an impact. Even if I don't get like a crazy salary, I rather get an impact. And then the upside, if I get an impact, if I do a good project, there is a very good upside. I mean, with a startup, you can you can get equity, you can eventually earn even more than than a regular job. But of course, you have to take the risk. So, but but of course, it, it was was like a challenge. So when I said after the MBA, look, I decided to go for entrepreneurship. I also said, and I didn't even set it for my wife. I just said it for me. I said, okay, I just don't want to waste this big investment of the MBA. This is really, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, really scared. So I said, okay, I go for the MBA, but if by December of the same year, so I ended in June, if by December of the end, end of the year, I don't get this, 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 and this KPI reached, I stop. I just don't do entrepreneurship. I just go for a regular job. So this was really clear. So I gave me myself six months to do something. So you set yourself a deadline to honor. Yes, and we really, I mean, me and my co-founder, we really thought these KPIs true. I mean, it was just, not just putting them randomly. No, it was really, okay, if we don't reach this, means let's stop. Even if in the meantime we have hired people, even if in the meantime we have done investments, I mean, we need to reach this KPI. I mean, these KPIs were, were, were okay to reach. That's what we thought in, in June. Can you give me an example of these KPIs? Okay, so for example, I said, okay, by December, I want to have a first sale of minimum 1,000 euro. Even if whatever happens, I want to sell 1,000 euro. 
So that was one. Another one was, okay, I want to already have some investors that are interested in investing that we are in talks with, you know. So these are two examples that we had as a KPA. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to partner with uh, an MBA fellow instead of going... So my co-founder was actually, uh, well, another MBA in my class. Uh, he was also very much involved in the entrepreneurship club. He was, um, how do you say, uh, well, I was the president and he was yeah, an officer in the club. So he was really involved. Uh, and we've been talking... What, what's his name? Uh, Manish. We've been talking about entrepreneurship since the first day. I mean, the first day, I think we, we met and directly we felt, okay, we, both of us, we're just not like the others. <laughs> we're just two crazy people doing an MBA for maybe the wrong reason. I don't know. So at that moment, we were like feeling, okay, we're here. We'll, we will do it. It's, it's great. But, but we are an entrepreneurs and we feel, okay, we're a little bit different than average. Anyway. And... Um, yeah, so he, he had a financial background. And, um, and uh, why you decided to incorporate in Spain? Yeah, so he, he is an Indian. And um, this is also part of the story. Uh, because, so anyway, we, after the MBA, we decided to continue. With, and I'm Belgian. But we decided, we had to decide where do we continue the business. Because when you create a business, you know, well, you have to be based somewhere. So we decided, okay, let's stay in Spain, in Barcelona and start uh, the business there, which is what we did. And then we faced several problems. First, very simple one is Barcelona is Catalonia. Catalonia is not Spanish, it's even Catalan. Neither of us speak Catalan, neither of us speak Spanish. But I mean, Spanish we can understand, but Catalan really not. So that was, that was kind of a challenge because all administrative papers, all accounting, all, all these things have to be done in Catalan. That was our first pain. Second pain is if we want to stay in Spain, well, Manish had to get a work visa for Spain. So we thought, okay, there may be like an entrepreneurship visa so that he can continue. But it got really complicated at the time that we got some advice, some legal advice from people, for, from experts on that particular topic. And they said, okay, we'll help you to do that. But apparently that consulting firm did some errors in what they told us. And what happened is that we got into visa issues for Manish. He had like a lot of issues, couldn't go. Uh, well, he, his visa was not valid. He had to go back home and stuff. Lots of very complex stuff that happened. And that had an impact because, of course, all the time that he spent on fixing the visa, which was pretty cumbersome in terms of administration, wasn't time spent on the startup. So all in all, over the, um, the six months that we gave us, I also had issues because my wife was not very well during that time, so I also had to take care of her. Anyway, I mean, life, life personal problems. Like he had the visa, I had the... Anyway, but well, we also hired some people. So we had two developers joining us because it was really data-oriented, building the product and improving the product. So, well, yeah, so what happened is basically after six months, we just didn't reach our, our targets and we had to conclude that. Let's just stop here. Okay, so what were the main lessons you've got from this experience? If I, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Especially when you don't have any sales yet, just don't incorporate. 
I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, when you're when you're coming out of the NBA, you think, okay, let's do the admin stuff, the fine stuff, the, the, all these things that you think are good for a start, for a company, but you forget that actually you're a startup and you're just just nothing. Just don't create a company as long as you don't have clients and 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 yeah. But but it's it's logic. I mean, when you I mean the MBA was we we read about something like seven hundred cases. You you see all these companies. Of course, there are companies. Of course, they have accounting. Of course, they have so many different things. So you think, okay, I'm creating a company. Let's do it. You know, but it's very dangerous to not think. Okay, this is just a project. I can pay people myself. I can I can just uh, I don't need a payroll as long as I not having clients i don't have like some i don't need so much legal advice as, don't, as long as i don't have clients if i want to have a company actually just create a company once you have investors that's the moment when you need the company because or if you just want to bootstrap and you already have like let's say more than five thousand euro per, uh, of revenue per month then of course you create a company but as long as you don't have that just test the market validate the market in a, in a very simple way keep of course your accounting clear because you will have to reimburse or get be reimbursed at some point, but don't go in too much admin hassle. This is really big advice. Keep it super lean, because investors will not invest if they don't see you have customers. So first, show you can have customers before creating a company. Okay, but can you tell me a little bit more about the idea behind? The idea was probably also part of the problem. I mean, the idea was good. But the business model wasn't there. So it's good to have an idea. People are interested in the solution. Good. But then are people interested in paying in the solution? Can we have paying customers? That's the big question. So we got people interested in using it. But no one wants to pay. The pain is not big enough. Uh, yeah. And so you have to imagine like a uh, sort, of, sort of a business model where you have somebody else that pays for the data or things like that. And that was really hard because if you don't have much data, well, you don't have much people interested in, in buying this data because you don't have data. So, so finding the right business model was really hard. So that's the first reason. So the idea was not especially bad, but at least the, the, there, was, there was something missing. And the um, second thing was also we were two engineers, no experience in sales. And the first thing you need to do as an entrepreneur is not build a product, is first sell. Even if you just have a PowerPoint presentation, you can already sell something. But if you have a finished product, it's good. But if you don't sell it, you, you will never get earn anything, even if you have the best product in the world. And that was our second error, is that we thought we are smart, we are MBAs, but, but we, we didn't taught entrepreneurship. Or not enough, let's say. But from what I get it, you were after the stylist idea of your wife. How you ended up uh, with Shape? So actually, when I was looking for, uh, so uh, working for for stylists, uh, at the end, towards the end uh, in November, I've been looking for investors because I thought, okay, this is one of our KPIs. So I was going to investor events and there I met with other startups. And one of the startups was Shape. And I thought actually this idea is just amazing. I love the idea. Why? Can, can you describe what Shape is about? So in, in a nutshell, uh, what Shape does is, uh, is the IoT solution that tackles water leaks. So what we do is we, we connect IoT uh, technology to a water meter. So there is no need of a plumber or anyone 
to, to install it. You can install it yourself. Even my grandma can install it. And from there, you get real-time consumption on your water, which means if you have a leak, we can alert you by SMS, by notification, if there is a risk of leak. Uh, we can alert you um, when you have too high consumption. We can keep you updated on what's the current water bill that you have. All these things, very simple, actually. And in Belgium, uh, especially, it's a good, very good, interesting market because price of, or cost of water are very close to actual cost of water. In many countries, it's subsidized. So you, people are not aware of what is the cost, the actual cost of water. So treating water, transportation and, and consumption. So, so actually, cost of water has, is really high. So people, when they have a sort of a leak, they pay, like for a toilet leak, they pay 700 euro per year just for the leak, not, not for the rest of the consumption. So the impact is pretty hard on, on households. The reason why there is, there is something to do there. Okay, that one really seems like an opportunity with paying fines. Yeah, so I thought, okay, man, this is just so amazing as, a, as an idea. I really thought it's mixing technology. I'm a fan of technology. It's mixing impact on, on the environment. I'm a fan of the environment. I told you earlier. And it's talking about something that not so many people talk about is water. Because people are, in general, now with climate change, people are thinking about, okay, we need energy. We need to find another way to consume energy. And yes, this is true. But actually, water is consuming energy <laughs> to be transported. It's, it's consuming energy to be heated to, for, for your warming system. So it has an impact on the climate change, clearly. And there is another issue is with climate change, we need resilience, we need more sustainable cities. To get more sustainable cities, you need less leaks, of course, less consumption, because you will have less rain. All these things going together. I, thought, I mean, this is just looking much further than just, okay, we need cleaner energy. Of course, we need cleaner energy, but there will be a trend there, and I want to be part of it. And you joined them right away? Uh, so let me just explain how did I met them because initially i thought okay this idea is great i want to to be part of it but at that time i was at stylist but i said that's not a problem i will just invest you know i will i will just play the role of investor even if i'm just investing like a very small amount i want to be part of this so i was talking to this guy who is actually my now my partner and i said okay look i want to invest and so on so while telling him that he was saying yeah but who are you what are you doing blah 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 and uh, I told him, look, I'm a former software engineer, I'm an MBA, and so forth. And he said, that's amazing, because actually, um, well, no, at that moment, I was not, at that moment, it was just investing. And then in December, because funding round takes time, I follow up in, in January, and in the meantime, I decided to stop Style Assist. And that's when we met, and, and I said, okay, that's my profile. And he came up with the idea, okay, don't you want to join? So which position, of course? And he needed more or less everything. He said, okay, I need a co-founder or someone who can do many things. Of course, I want you to be the CTO. That that's was his request. And I said, okay, look, I can be the CTO. I can be many things. I just want to be a co-founder. And we'll figure out where can I bring the most value in the, along the road. That, that's where I can, I can bring the most value. So indeed, in the beginning, I, I was more focused on the software. But eventually, um, we, we needed someone to work on the marketing and the finance and the operations. And because of my MBA, because of my very diverse experience, I, I got into these different things. 
and it was at that time when he was still raising money so i helped him to prepare the the, the funding financial plan everything there during his fundraising so I, I said i met him in november but the fundraising was closed in uh, may or something so during all this time i was already working with him sorry sorry what was the name of your current partner alex and uh what was his background so he's an architectural engineer uh, i used to work in resource management and buildings so he's really the guy who knows the industry he has contacts in all these kind of uh, domains he knows what what are the needs of building managers he's more like on the customer side let's say although he he's also it's not a techie but let's say he he pretty much understands a lot of technology so going back to your mba one thing i like to ask uh, uh, to my guest is uh, knowing how evolved your life and with the benefit of hindsight would you choose to do your mba again It's a good question. I think um, I would clearly, I think it, it clearly added so much to my life. So, so clearly it, it was really interesting. Um, if I was back in time, probably I would have planned a little bit better. The fact to launch a startup, the fact to, to have a kid, all these things together was quite challenging, let's say. And I, I would have decided to probably go for an MBA either earlier or later but but altogether was was a bit challenging but clearly the mba brought me so much maybe more human on the human part than on the technical part but of course you learn about finance you learn about uh, marketing sales all these things but this is just theory this is just something you can learn by while reading books uh, if you have it all together in two years you learn a lot but living abroad That, was, that is very important. Uh, having a very high workload. You learn so much about you when you just have so much workload. Well, having a kid at the same time was quite challenging, but <laughs> not need to mention. I would say being in touch with so many different nationalities, that was, that was so amazing. I mean, being in the same team of a, a Japanese, uh, a Spanish, an American, a South African, a Colombian. I mean... This is just really important to understand how people think, why, why people can think differently. So, so that was really life-changing for me. So I would say the most life-changing things for me were not especially the, the content, even though the content was super important because, as I mentioned, before I was an expert, after I'm becoming more generalist, which is what I wanted, and it brought me this. So I'm really grateful for this. It's really like what I was looking for. Moreover, it opened my eyes on, on so many things in the world and made my understanding of the world so much better that I, I don't regret any second of it. I made so good, amazing friends as well. So an MBA is not only about learning stuff. It's really about life-changing experience. And, and I, think, I think this is something that I really want to, to insist on. Mm, uh, Greg, I love this conversation and I'm very glad for uh, your time. Okay, so, so always happy to, to help you. I mean, if. Oh, yeah, and uh, I would say uh, anyone interested, you can find Greg's blog and contact information at www.theclimber.be. And, uh, but, but you stopped blogging? <laughs> yeah, actually, after the MBA, even during the MBA, it's quite, quite tough to, to blog after the MBA, and being an entrepreneur is just no way. <laughs> Again, Greg. 
this was a great talk. With pleasure. And, and as I mentioned, if, you, if I can help you with anything, just ask. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon or afternoon or morning. I don't know where you are, but... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Brazil right now. So uh, it's 10 okay. a.m. here. <laughs> okay, well, have a good morning then. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining for this episode of the MBA Talk podcast, a podcast brought to you by Opnis Institute. You can find all notes for this episode, as well as subscribe for future episodes at opnis.com slash MBA talk. That's optnes.com slash MBA talk. And if you are enjoying the show or have any comments, topics, or guest suggestions, I love if you shoot me an email. My name is Andres, and you can write me to MBA talk at opnis.com. With that, thank you, and we'll see you in the next episode.